Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 39 with Gav Brown and Gav Drury. Hi, friends. Look at it, look at this. It's a, it's a second supplemental in one week. You, you just have so much of us, but uh, not just us. The Gavs are, are here once again. Welcome, fellows. Hello, you Gavs. Hello, you owls and mats. <laughs> you princes and like men. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said owls at first. <laughs> what owls? Are you talking to the owls? Are you? English guy, I don't know. message to you owls. <laughs> we will take over the, the world. Hey, look, we're, we're doing a shit job of it. The, the owls can have a crack. I'm fine with that. What would it be, Matt? The, the post-atomic hoot? Mm-hmm. No, that's too close. The like, hoot's atomic horror. That's much, much worse. <laughs> it's owl stretching time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, we had we had a bit of a novel idea uh, pitched to us by English Gav uh, this time around. Uh, he said, you know, we do these crossovers fairly regularly, and, and maybe this time we could watch something that isn't terrible. And uh, we, we delivered, and they, mm, I guess, forgot they recommended that. Ridiculous. <laughs> No, it's not. I don't want to say that it was terrible. It's certainly not. there's some of a good show there. Yeah, no. It was, and I I I uh, tweeted this right before I started. For the first time in as long as I could remember, I didn't know what to expect when I started mm-hmm. watching a thing, and that's exciting. Yeah. That's... Like whether or not it turned out to be good or not is incidental. <laughs> like, surprised by it. No, I, it's fine I just... in, uh, until we stop wandering around in the woods like all shows made by the BBC. Well, I, it's certainly back then. I feel like maybe they've learned a new trick since then. Or they have less woods. Yeah, that could also be. But uh, uh, first, um, the thing that we gave to the Gavs, uh, I tried, um, this is one that I came up with, and this is a show that I really enjoyed, and nobody knew about it. Somehow managed to run two seasons before getting canceled, and it's one of those, like, and and we'll talk about this in a minute, but everyone's got this show or maybe more than one where you're like, oh, the show was so great and, and no one's heard of it and it's amazing and you just want to be a cheerleader for it and then you tell them the title and they're like, what? no, I'm not going to watch that. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad title. It is, and it's called Better Off Ted, which has absolutely nothing to do with the show except that the main character's name is Ted, but uh, there you go. But uh, why don't you guys tell us what happens in the first two episodes of uh, Better Off Ted? I'd love to. I'll just relax now and get ready to easily mock a show from the 70s. Oh, the 70s, will you ever learn? I'll just press play and... Wait. Wait, this is actually good? I'm from this century? Right, that wasn't part of the deal. How am I supposed to make fun of a legitimately funny TV show? And if anyone mentions the fun on the comedy episodes of Star Trek... Fun? I didn't hear anyone laughing, did you? Copyright The Simpsons. Anyway, Ted works at an evil corporation as deputy head of research and development corporation, penultimate head, if you will. Tim and Lem are his top scientists, and his immediate boss is Veronica, played by Mor- Portia de Rossi, which I'll, where I'll inevitably make an arrested development joke. He didn't. Oh, and there's Linda, another employee, and Ted's conscience, who steals Kramer, which I assume is full milk. 
just like faux is a faux word. So Veronica, latest research idea, is to freeze one of the scientists for a year, just to see if it can be done. Phil isn't up for this. Then he is, and is frozen. I'd make some puns here, but Batman and Robin. Never forget. But then the workmen in charge of moving the cryo chamber drop it and thaw him. As there's one thing that unfreezes things, and that's hitting them with a hammer. <laughs> Unfortunately, after being thawed, Phil ends up screaming intermittently, which I suppose is better than screaming mittently. On the next, better off Ted. Gareth? I think before we continue... You want to open the beer? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to say that screaming mittenly, that's like screaming like a mitten, right? Uh, or into a mitten. Or into a mitten. Yes. That will be ah, now. There There's that glorious sound. Take it away. I mean, don't literally take it away. <laughs> Taking it away! Right. In previous installments of this regularly scheduled crossover, we've been subject to all manner of pop culture references, from the well-known sliders to the more obscure What is a Star Wars? Obviously, I have no interest in pop culture, so our hosts appear to have either set a trap for me, or they really missed one of my old features. Welcome to the return of Drunken Science. Means better off Ted Episode 2. Just Tetrick, CEO of Just, a company that sells a lot of untypically vegan vegan products, including vegan mayonnaise, is looking into expanding into lab-grown meat. Exact processes can differ between labs in how lab meat is grown and produced, but just looking at how Just produced, they just need to change their name. <laughs> anyway, they take cells from the animal, not stem cells, but stem-like cells they call progenitor cells instead of the... What is the issue we're using proper names? The aim is to trick these cells into thinking they're still inside the animal and not in a lab by providing with the same stimuli and ultimately growing them into the desired meaty outcome. The big sticking point is providing the animal protein, which is typically, and very costly, to provide it from the blood of the animal. Finding a different source of this protein is key to sustainability of this process. That is essentially the subject of today's episode, which opens with Ted and Veronica partaking in the worst humanity has to offer, small talk. <laughs> Eventually they get down to the good stuff, not small talk. Their latest product, extra fun mac and cheese, is not working correctly. It never gets hot and causes blindness. So they need a new food product, and cowless beef is the only option nearing development. So like all good businesses, the impossible is asked for within a deadline of five days. Phil, still suffering the side effects of cryonics from last episode, see Drunken Time Travel Drunken Science Cryonics episode for further details, and legal are wanting to get rid of this problem. But without Phil, there's no project. But she needs the project, so she needs Phil. But she can't use Phil, so she can't have the project. But she needs it. But beards don't grow in space. <laughs> Taking a different route, Ted suggests awarding Phil with an award, which causes tension between Phil and Lem so they can't work together anymore. And having had his fill of the place, Lem leaves to work with another team. To make matters worse, this other team doesn't have the skills to finish the job. So after being tricked into releases, into signing a release form, Phil makes amends with Lamb so they can finish the project together. Cue a montage of various injections, massages, and dipping my balls in it. <laughs> and everything is fine. 
Meanwhile, Linda is still stealing creamer and Ted starts covering for her by replacing the creamer. And because as Ted up Ted has used up his one office affair or continuously rejects Linda's advances, the man needs a medal for his restraint. She moves to stealing tissue paper from the paper miser dispenser, which seems to look, look like too much work to me. The end. I have to make a uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine style joke here because uh, meaty outcome, title of your sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I like I say, I, I didn't want to oversell it, but I really enjoyed the show and I hope you guys did too. It sounds like you did. Yes, oh, yes. Very good. I think I'll try and check out some more when I have time in between the 37 other shows I'm watching. Well, you only watch three episodes a show, so it should be all right. <laughs> and then you immediately forget them. So. Uh, I checked. Uh, but, it is on Hulu for anyone who has that. Oh, excellent. Yeah. But if he does forget them, then he'll just end up watching them again because he won't realize he's not watched or already watched What's them. this great show? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this exact thing happened with Amanda with Better Off Ted. We watched it when it was on Netflix originally mm. in like 2010 or so, and then we rewatched it a year or two ago, and she's like, what's this show? I've never seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has that effect, apparently. I, I guess, which is too bad, because really, it's great. Yeah. Like, it's a lot of fun, and it's a lot smarter than you would expect, like, sort of a network sitcom to be, and uh, I, I don't know. I really enjoy it. Well, let, no. let's do our bad things, or uh, good things, rather, not bad things. Good is the thing we do when we talk about things that are good. <laughs> Still know how to host this show. Uh, Irish Gav, you go first. Uh, what my good thing about that show, uh, breaking the fourth wall. Every now and then, Ted just turns to the camera, house of cards style, and addresses the audience. Only this was in 2009. I really like this. It's not dumb enough, or if it is, it's explained away within the show as a filming for a documentary, which was the style at the time. Uh, there's nothing wrong with just addressing the audience. It's very Shakespearean, and uh, it's useful as well when, if you're writing, you know, for them to uh, impart information. Yeah, you don't have to force it into dialogue exchanges. Yeah. You can just have him say one sentence and get on with it. Well, it's a great, uh, it's a great device to use in a, like when you're dropping people into a weird setting like this, you know? Yeah, I mean, Star Trek has the captain's log, but like normal shows that aren't set in a setting where someone would be recording a journal or whatever. You have to bend it a little. Yeah, and I think they did a good job. Plus, it helps Sorry, get yeah. close to the character as well as he's yeah. directly addressing you. Yeah, I um, I I definitely. I mean, I've already seen the show a couple of times, but I feel like I really know what he's about at, in two episodes, which is kind of hard to do. I think, mm -hmm. like, in an hour of screen time, I have a pretty good idea of who Ted is. So yeah, that's good. That's my good thing. Is it? Yeah, he's surprisingly likable. Like, yeah. For like when when you expl explain the show to me, I'm like I just assumed he would be like a conniving asshole, but mm -hmm. he's not. He's a genuinely nice guy that cares about his people and his kid. He just also happens to work for the worst company in the planet. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think that's what makes it work. Yeah, is he's somehow taking care of his people while they're committing these horrible atrocities. Mm -hmm. Like if and, he was uh, a shittier guy, like this probably wouldn't be as fun. No, absolutely not. I mean, it, it it still could be, but I think that's what what the charm of the show mm -hmm. is is just about everybody's likable. Yeah, yeah, and that device is it just helps an audience identifying with the, having that direct connection is talking to you, in and right. So it helps offset 
that is working for bad company. And, you know, everyone hates their job to, to some degree. So, I mean, there's that whole workplace comedy thing where, like, well, this place does evil and crushes my soul, but what can you do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is that taken to a bit of an extreme. But uh, I, don't know, I like that. I love the um, they always they always frame the episode with a uh, fake commercial from the company. Yep. About the thing that they're doing and these just horrible satirical corporate you know but also they nail them like they're so they're so just completely on point for like i've seen tons of those like verizon commercials where we're changing the future for the better and actually this is my good thing that the just just has this very specific tone because it's witty and it's sharp but it's also dark Mm -hmm. and it exists in this weird sort of quasi sci-fi universe like it barely qualifies for the kind of show we do but it it just sort of squeaks in i would say because there is some science fiction in it oh yeah I'm hesitant to say it was ahead of its time because I'm not sure there's been a ton of shows like that since. But it's great that a show this weird got like two seasons of 13 episodes each. Even. Yeah. Like, it's just odd. And I like it. Yeah, there are. Uh, English... Sorry, I was just going to say there aren't enough shows like this where they're just slightly left of, of normal. You know, mm-hmm. they either get a normal show or a completely weird show. You don't get something that's like... You can relate to that they're working in an office, but it's an office where Doctor Doom manages or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like they're hard to find an audience for. Like, and it, like if you've got a if you've got a show like this, the the network needs to bust its ass advertising what exactly it is, because otherwise people are just going to think it's another generic sh- like office ripoff, especially in two thousand nine. Mm. I see. I don't know how that stuff works anymore. I know how it used to work because I've read a lot of books about it. Mm-hmm. But now with, you know, a million different channels and streaming and everything, it feels like you could get more specific and more strange. And, like, you don't have to worry about targeting the mainstream necessarily because, I mean, all four of us enjoyed it. Oh, like, yeah, so but there's... we had to find it, like, ten years later. Like, yeah, I think I found it by accident, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Or I know Brian sang its praises, but sure. Brian also sings the praises of <laughs> Deadly Games, so, mm-hmm. you know. Which, apparently, they're new one produced, so there's a thing I learned. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. No, it's got, that, that's how it came up on Pa in the first place, is oh, it's got it? a bunch of, like, Star Trek connections. And then he wouldn't shut up about it. Yep. <laughs> uh, what was it? Uh, yes. If, if, sorry, English guy. Uh, if they had uh, that show nowadays, I, or like on Netflix, I think it would have been a lot more successful. It certainly would have run longer, I think. Possibly, but also, again, I think you still run into what Matt's saying. Like, I, I'm not saying it's different now. I'm saying I don't know how it works at all. Because, yeah. again, how do you find that audience? Like, if you if you target sort of the the smart comedy nerds or even just like you know sci-fi comic book nerds, I guess you'd get some. I I don't know. Like what? A lot of times, selling something involves saying it's like this. Like what what show is this like? Yeah, exactly. And that's a good thing. That's that works in its favor, but it also makes it hard to mm-hmm. get people to watch it. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah. th- the the other thing is, you don't have to just like you don't just have to like you don't have to direct it just at the sci-fi crowd because there's a lot that like you know mainstream people are going to really enjoy about this show. It's oh no, it's genuinely it, it's funny. Like, it's like Irish Gav just said. It's it's a relatable workplace comedy, yeah. but it just happens to be set at you know this wacky sci-fi. Yeah, place. it's just getting that out to people. Yeah, uh, English Gav, what's your good thing? Uh, <clears throat> uh, just uh, sort of generally related to all that. Just the general concept of it a comedy that's set around science and manufacturing which 
Mm-hmm. I think you generally don't, or I'm not aware of a lot, uh, one notable exception recently. Which is that? <laughs> Big Bang Theory. Is Big Bang, like, I putting aside my distaste for that show, is that is that what it's, I mean, I guess it's about science. Well, yeah, it's, it's about a bunch of science and manufacturing geeks. Uh, okay. So it, it goes into their jobs a lot. It, mm. it shows you um, uh, sort oh, okay. of work, working stuff like, out. I, and... I, just the clips that I've seen from that show make it completely not appealing to me to the point where I don't even know what it's actually yeah. about. So I did not know that. Yeah, so a lot of science jokes in it and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But aside, apart, guys... apart from that, I don't really see the subject being handled a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, and this this show even handles the science uh, quite well as well. Even mm-hmm. considering it was back in what nineteen ninety was it? Uh, what, well, they're still 2000. 2009. I knew there was a nine in it. <laughs> <laughs> nine, that's way too long. You thought there were too many nines in it is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> this is why Irish Gav handles the history stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, most of the science, when apart from when we're doing the comedy bits and the, the sci-fi bits, but most of it seemed to hold, hold up pretty well and was pretty current at the time. Yeah, yeah, and and like you pointed out in your summary, the the uh, the science is based on real things that are actually in development. Mm-hmm. So they didn't just dream up some wacky thing like cryonics and like artificial meat are both things that are being worked on. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's see. I already did my bad thing, which is the, t- the title. Gee, it's real bad. <laughs> just like, how do you sell something? Like, like, seriously, this is probably my number one gem of an undiscovered show. And like I say, we probably all have something like this where we're like, why aren't more people talking about this? This was so good, and just nobody knows about it. And I just, like, I usually get people almost interested, and then they're like, better off. Te- no, no, thank you. It's a yeah. <laughs> just it doesn't it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't make you want to watch it. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of the teen movie from the '80s, the quite good teen movie from the '80s, Better Off Dead, but it's nothing like that. So it's just—it's such a—it's ge- the most generic sitcom title you could possibly have. Yeah, <laughs> and really for is. for a show that is anything but a generic sitcom, it's it's just like it's a death warrant for it, basically. Yeah, I, I'm sure it didn't help. Uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Uh, yeah. Um. Portia de Rossi's just slightly too close to being Lindsay Bluth for this to be noticeable for me. Like, I don't know which of the shows came first, but so I don't know who to blame, but it was very distracting. Well, Arrested Development started in 2003, so it, it was like this was in that period she had between like Arrested Development getting canceled and then coming back. Now, in my defense, I've also been watching a lot of Arrested Development lately. Mm-hmm. See, I think I, I completely disagree. I think she's different than Lindsay. Like, she doesn't have a lot of different voices. There's certain American accented <laughs> words she just can't say to save her life, like uh-huh. anything. That I find that very distracting or stupid. I remember someone told me, it was probably you, who was just like, yeah, and Portia de Rossi's Australian. I'm like, that's why that is. Okay. I, but <laughs> I, it, it doesn't really bother me. I just can't yeah. help but notice it. And I don't know, why doesn't she just play Australian? Like, what's the difference? But yeah, seriously. I, I feel like... Her, she, 
the character she plays here is completely like emotionless and you know the the joke is look i'm pretending to be a human but i'm mm-hmm. really a sociopath and i i like that kind of a character i'm i'm married to that kind of a character <laughs> and um a sociopath yes no i know yeah and whereas lindsay bluth is sort of clueless and like uh, she hurts feelings accidentally whereas veronica very deliberately goes out of her way to destroy people like Lindsay's accidentally evil, Veronica's purposely evil. I just spend a lot of the time thinking of the. Uh, are you trying to cry? I used to be able to do this. <laughs> but it's like I wish I knew more. Well, I don't wish I knew. But for this example, I wish I knew more about D and D because it's like uh, chaotic evil versus true evil, or I don't know something like that. Mm. Oh, that's where that's from. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I just keep saying everything from D and D now. <laughs> no, I never knew it was from I mean. <laughs> Well, that's just oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God I'm not the only one. Oh, great. Now I feel like a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> On your own Star Trek show. Uh-huh. How dare you? How dare you, sir? Irish <laughs> uh, yeah, what was your bad thing? My bad thing was the kid. Despite having a couple of really good lines, she doesn't come off as a kid to me. She's written as a lot of kids are on uh, TV and movies as older which mm-hmm. is fine, but they obviously want her to be a teenager as well, but look like a seven-year-old. But hey, at least she's not annoying like a lot of TV kids. I, I get what you're saying. You're not wrong, but I don't know. I'm I'm a sucker for that kind of character because I see a kid and I score to cringe and I say, oh boy, here's the cute, like, they're going to put the cute one in there. And she's kind of cynical and yeah. I don't know. I like it. Yes, she she I had prefer- my favorite line in the entire fucking episode, both episodes. What's that? She had my favorite line in the entire episodes. Which what is that? Oh, uh, did you do your math homework? Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's six times nine? Yeah, that was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I I do get your point, Kev. It's not like vaguely even remotely realistic, and you know, it's a bit of a cliche to write a kid like that. But on but, the other hand, I like that kind of character. So. Yeah, but it's a lot better than I think Modern Family has a kid who just speaks cutesy all the time it's just awful yeah no and honestly when you see her because she's got like dimples and a big smile and curls and is like Mm -hmm. oh boy this is like the quintessential cute tv little girl here we go and she wasn't like that no kind of dig that Uh, matt didn't you say you recognized her from something uh yes but it's my alternate title so we'll get to it later (laughs) Ah, very well. Uh, English guy, what was your bad thing? Uh, I'm going to go with the music. Uh, yeah, there wasn't much I could find for a bad thing, but mm-hmm. I found the music quite distracting at times. I, I didn't think it fit with the theme of the show or anything. It was, a, although, quite bouncy, playful music uh, when they're doing the montages and stuff like that. It's, I just didn't think it gelled with the theme of the show at all. I don't remember any music, so that's probably just backing up your point. Yeah. It's very <laughs> elevator music-y, mm-hmm. which I understand why they would do that for this show. Like, Well, yeah, you're in a homogenized corporate setting. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. That doesn't make the show. Mm. But yeah, yeah. That's a good point. There was the it's, bit... it's... Sorry, go ahead. Um, there was a bit in the uh, lift slash elevator. Mm-hmm. Where, yes, I remember that music, but that's the only music I do remember in the entire show. No, the whole the whole soundtrack comes off to me like the Muzak version of, like, the Pina Colada song. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't the Pina Colada song already Muzak? Uh-huh. This is even more Muzak. It's Muzak yeah. squared. 
<laughs> oh, they probably invented that in their lab somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many great throwaway jokes about all the horrible, evil things that they do, though. I, I really enjoy that. I, I, I love the itchy chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. What 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 was that? To, like, tell the listeners what that oh, is. Oh, they like, have, yeah. like... Uh, uh, Portia de Rossi comes up. She's like, we, have this, we accidentally made this material. See if you can find a use for it. <laughs> So he t- he turns it into like a like a uh, office chair, but it's incredibly scratchy, and it's like, uh, well, you know, um, people work harder when they're sitting in uncomfortable chairs until they go crazy. Yeah, no, that was that was enjoyable, and and that goes on like you can tell that that must have been a fun writer's room mm-hmm. exercise to sit, you know, when you come up with a list of things and you just back and forth like. What if they made this? What if they made this? And all that stuff ends up in the show. Also, that material is then used in the next episode as the meat's blanket. Yes, I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I don't think I noticed yeah. that. That was very cool. Uh, Matt, I'm surprised you didn't call out the fact that uh, the, the screaming uh, that they were talking about that uh, Phil did is basically him going, Caw! No, no. <laughs> Sorry. I noticed your note for that, and it just, it's not what it is. But it is. <laughs> he even said, guys, no, it's, it's caw. Like, he, he said that. Yeah, but it's not the kind of caw I like. This is a different oh. kind of caw. This is an upsetting <laughs> caw. I didn't enjoy this caw. Oh, all right, very well. And uh, there's there's this great line where they're they're testing the meat, and uh, their their test subject who really doesn't want to be eating this stuff at all just like <laughs> runs away. And uh, the first time he eats it, he's like, it tastes like despair. <laughs> so good. Chicken? We'll take chicken. <laughs> despair so you're saying it just needs a bit of salt (laughs) (laughs) uh what else i had very few notes for this just because i spent the entire thing just enjoying it exactly don't get to do that very often it it was just okay and then oh i've written nothing oh god how am i gonna make a synopsis of this Yeah, and see, that's the trouble with doing something good is, okay, but we're here to make jokes. How do you make jokes about something that's already a comedy and doesn't suck? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. apologies for that part. But... <laughs> yes. I like the... You did suggest doing something good. And uh, yeah. No, I, no, was... no, I didn't. I <laughs> well, yeah, Team Gav did. <laughs> if I have to take responsibility for the hilarious House of Frankenstein, you have to take responsibility well, for it. I have no yeah. right. I, I, I did not do it, and the other one uh, has no memory of it, so... <laughs> yes, but there's a public record of it on Twitter, so... This isn't a private conversation we had. We had it out in the open. Yeah. No, it's it was because when we do things that aren't Star Trek, my personal preference is to find, like, off-the-beaten-path stuff that, that people aren't talking... Like, I don't want to just go do, I don't know... Stargate or Battlestar Galactica. Like, I want to do something no one's heard of or no one remembers from a long time ago or sure, whatever. Yes. Or this kind of show that kind of fell between the cracks. And yeah. So mm-hmm. with with the criteria of that and being good and being sci-fi, it's like, well, this this, this is the one. <laughs> yeah, this is why we give you all the British shows because we know you've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and most of them don't make their way over here. So, like, unless you watched uh, public broadcasting at 2 in the morning in 1985 once or grew up in canada (laughs) i i feel like it was on your public broadcasting too wasn't it like oh yeah like it didn't it wasn't on the main networks it was on pbs oh no it was on pbs but it was on at a decent hour oh i see 
No, we had like the good stuff. We had like Doctor Who and uh, Red Dwarf and stuff like that on during normal hours, and then they would show the weird, obscure British stuff in the middle of the night. Nope. Just huh. a, just a lot of Maid Marian and her merry men. Uh, okay, that was going to be that was, that was going to be one we might have done later on, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. I remember liking that show. Oh, that never goes well, Matt. It was a, shit, it was a shitty Blackadder. I remember liking this show. Never yeah. Pretty much. Okay, anything else? Are you guys about ready to... Uh, uh, I, I, I like the... Vegetables with antidepressants in them. Oh, yeah. oh yes, vegetables with antidepressants. Very good. Yeah. There we go. I, I was making note of all the uh, different sort of one, one line of inventions and... Mm-hmm. that with, with a view to uh, researching them and see how viable they were and... <laughs> How far did you get into that? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the meat. Well, I, I got as far as the meat, and that was it. <laughs> I think, for the record, I would absolutely mm. eat uh, uh, non-meat meat. Mm. I, a lot of people are grossed out by that concept. I think it's great. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I mm. did, and, but I think the problem is it doesn't taste... No, I once they... Well, I'm, I'm saying once they get past like all the, the research phase and they find something that tastes similar. Yeah, I, you know. yeah. I think the only thing that it doesn't quite taste the same or as good is because it doesn't have fat in it mm-hmm. and stuff like that to add to the flavour. But apart from that, a lot of the feedback is it it's, it tastes pretty much like meat. Yeah. The other problem yeah. is, is in reality as well is it's like ten thousand dollars a burger. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No, and I, but I was waiting for the twist at the end of this to be like everyone's horrified, and because that's how people act, like, oh, this science, it shouldn't be doing. Like, of course they should be doing stuff like this. Like, yeah, vegetarians could get more protein, and it would reduce so many like bad things, and it's a good idea. Yeah, and instead the show said, uh, no, it worked, but it costs crazy amounts of money to make, so it's not practical. Yeah, so th- that's much better than what I was expecting. It's just like when when. In a story, something makes artificial intelligence. Oh, well, it's going to go evil. Like, why? You know, science fiction usually just says, well, this technology's bad. And mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. Just, it bugs me. I mean, you should always point out that there are, you know, ethical issues or whatever. But maybe do some stories about how technology's good sometimes. That'd be nice. <laughs> Okay, uh, you guys ready to do alternate titles? Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, Irish guy, what do you got? Uh, you don't have to be bad to work here. <laughs> I, they must have that on mugs or something. <laughs> uh, English guy? Uh, take your fill. Oh. They started okay, it. I like, I like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Matt? Uh, I'm pretty sure Ted's daughter is the Pepsi girl. This is definitely a title. <laughs> and I went with literally anything but better off Ted. Good, let's go with mine then. All right. Okay, what do you got for quotes? Uh, uh, English or Irish guy, you did the first one, right? What's what's your quote? Uh, oh yes, my quote is uh, this. Okay, look, just take the roll off of the dispenser and bring it with you before you sit. That's what I do. Well, that's not normal, Phil. It becomes normal if you keep doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll just uh, scroll down here. And your quote <laughs> is this. Why is there never any creamer? Ants. No. Ghosts. 
No, I don't know. Yeah, mine was for when uh, Ted was covering for Linda uh, after being asked, why is there never any creamer? I don't remember where the Ted and Linda thing goes. I assume they hook up because you got to have, you know, the will sure. won't they thing. But uh, I don't know. I, I thought they handled that really well because I thought they were just going to pretend it didn't exist for 10 episodes and then do something. And they got right down to it, which mm-hmm. I thought was nice. I like my quote because it's funny, but then the more you think about it, you're like, well, that's just true. <laughs> that's just everyone's job, really, isn't it? <clears throat> All right. Moving forward. So the thing you guys suggested to us, all, all kidding aside, not bad. Like, uh, not as good as Better Off Ted, but uh, definitely something I hadn't heard of. Yeah. And uh, the first one showed promise. The second one I thought was a little slow, but, uh, you know. It was, like I said, it was the, I had the unique experience of not knowing what to expect. Yeah. I hadn't heard the title. I didn't read anything about it ahead of time. I just went into it and was completely surprised. And after three years of Voyager and then Enterprise, it was, it was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me tell you about part one of The Tripods. It is the distant future, the year 2089. The titles place us in A Village in England. So I guess we've evolved beyond the need for specific place names by the late 21st century. We also seem to have evolved into Edwardian era villagers because that's definitely how evolution works, right? The people of a village in England are excited because it's time for young Jack, who is clearly the winner of 2089's highly contested upper class twit of the year award to be capped. This entails Jack walking to the outskirts of a village in England and being abducted by the perfectly normal UFO that's hanging out out there. It stands on three legs, so we can therefore deduce that this is one of the titular tripods. Also, it grabs Jack up with something resembling one of those claw games you get at arcades, so we can probably also deduce that it's sinister somehow. (laughs) Wait, no, false alarm, everyone. Jack has now re-emerged from his tripod journey with his head shaved and a metal thing glued on top of it. This is fine. As long as you don't listen to that homeless guy who lives out in the woods, who calls himself Ozymandias, and looks like he didn't get the callback for Doctor Who, so he just stopped showering and started living out in the woods. But our protagonist, young Will Parker, is listening to that homeless guy. So now he's convinced that capping is wrong and the tripods are bad. Ozymandias proves this by handing him a pocket watch and sending him on a hero's journey to the White Mountains, where the streets are paved with pocket watches and there are no tripods. So presumably everyone's cameras are constantly falling to the ground, which is, as I mentioned, paved with pocket watches. It's a real mess! So Will decides that the word of a homeless man who lurks just outside a village in England, waiting for boys like him, is good enough to abandon his entire life, and he heads out on an exciting adventure. But before he goes, his friend Henry invites himself along, which is pretty rude, but Will grew up in the stiflingly polite Victorian era of the 2080s, so he can't just tell him no. And so the hero's journey becomes a hero and some other guy's journey. Take it away, Matt. Said hero and some other guy's journey mainly involves a bit of mucking about in the woods before Ozymandias and his vast and trunkless legs of stone jumps out of a bush to scare the boogans out of our protagonist and his Ron Weasley. Ozzy drops some science on our two boys and teaches them important lessons like what maps are, a picture of your house and some local places to eat, and clocks are, a round thing that tells you to go to work. Then he sends them out to see the sea, a big wet thing that fish piss in, and is murdered by horseback riders looking for the runaways. Luckily, Will and Henry outwit them somehow and arrive at the coastal town of Something on Somewhere to look for Captain Curtis, who will take them to France. Unfortunately, they're noticed by a pair of seagoing goons who, when they stop to gorge themselves on pies in the tradition of all British children out to sea for the first time. The goons attempt to Shanghai them, 
them, resulting in the slowest, moodiest bar fight in history, and are then kidnapped off to the ship of some jerk with bones around his neck. And just as they're taken, they see Captain Curtis out the window. Oh, the irony! I assume it's no longer called Shanghai. I assume it's called uh, a village in China. <laughs> I don't know why that really bugged me. Give your town a name. It's just a village in England. Calm down. <laughs> there are other villages. It's not the only one, so it needs a name. I mean, it's not the village. I know that much. <laughs> no, it's definitely not that. Yes, so therefore there are other villages. Yes. <clears throat> this is what philosophy is about. Now the other one's B village. <laughs> <laughs> so there's only t- only possible 26 villages in England? That's, uh, <laughs> seems about right. That's indeed a dark future. Oh, those jerks over in our village. <laughs> our village in England. Well, the tripods did kill a lot of people. Uh, I guess that's probably true. Is the village in Yorkshire called t- Village in England? <laughs> <laughs> well, we did see the mill, but there was no trouble at mill. So. Not that, this episode. That was a note I made, yes. <laughs> Listen, they need something for the third episode. Right. I, I assume, I didn't actually check, but I assume this first series was six because that's usually how they're done. Is that right? Sorry, it just reminds me of The Simpsons. I think show. it's 12 and 12, I think. Is it 12 oh, is it? 12? Yeah, okay. it just reminds me of The Simpsons show. <laughs> and that's why it's the longest running uh, TV series in England. And we'll be showing all four episodes today. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this is, this is apparently adapted from a series of books, which, uh, I mean, that's what the credits told me. Like I said, I did almost no research. And to my shock, not War of the Worlds. Uh, yeah. Which I assumed this would be about. Well, yeah, I mean, the tripods do look a bit like that. Um, but no. And, I mean, it really fits the template of every young adult novel ever. Yeah, pretty much. All it was missing like, is a bow and arrow. Well, we're only in part two so far. Of, of 12 or 24, if there were two series. So that's, you know... Yeah, Lots it, of time to, it's uh, very much the hero's journey. You've got the guy, the, the old yeah. wizard who helps them and then dies, and then they go off on a quest. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, and so far, it's, so it's, Star Wars. It's a dystopia, and he, this young special destiny kid is the only one who could stop it. And yep. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, like, I seriously didn't dislike it, and the first one more than the second one, but... Uh, well, there, was, there was some good, there was some good stuff. No, there's a lot going on. This is... Oh. Honestly, this is my bad thing, is that there's a lot going on here that I'm very interested by, and I didn't get any of it. Yeah, no, that's also my bad thing, actually. Yeah. The pace of the first one was surprisingly good, especially since, like, you know, you got this concept. You got the tripods came, and they wiped out most of humanity, and the rest of us get, like, tethered to them with these weird things in our heads. And, like, there's a lot of stuff to to unload there, and it felt pretty natural mm-hmm. but then the second one just dragged as we watched our heroes walk around marvel at things that are perfectly normal to us walk some more eat pies do some further walking and then take a quick break to have a walk <laughs> but like i was walking watching some kind of a lord of the ring <laughs> like at one point they even said we're in no hurry to get where we're going and you know not every story has to be a non-stop star wars thrill ride but you need some sense of urgency to get the audience interested it's like, nah, we'll get there when we get there. We got we got maybe, 12 episodes. Maybe they weren't expecting an audience. That's understandable. <laughs> or an editor? Like, I assume this happens to all adventurers, but they cut that part out. You're a good um, bad thing was pretty much the same thing as well, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, good thing, episode one. Mm-hmm. So concept and delivery, I, I thought was really good. It really got through enough. It told you 
everything that you needed to know to get you interested in the story, find out what's happening, where it's going. And then the bad thing, episode two, that just undid everything the first episode did and turned yeah. it into a buddy adventure where nothing happens, tripods don't matter, and it's just a shitload of the rings. And also, I don't care for his buddy. <laughs> he just invited himself along. That is very rude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay, they don't see eye to eye. I just hated that line that he said. I don't know why, or the way he said it or the line itself, but I just thought, can people say that? Well, it's a, it's a tell-don't-show thing. It's, yeah. Why don't they show them disagreeing so we understand that instead of having him just say, well, we argue a lot. Do you, though? They ne- well, they they never did in either of these two episodes. So. Yeah, like, all we have is his word on it. That's why that line bugged me. Mm-hmm. Also, it's a terrible line. Yep. Yes. One of the things I thought is he was, like, freaked out by Jack being capped, who was apparently mm-hmm. his friend. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, okay, show the three of them together at the start, then. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Instead of, we all... yeah, just some, suddenly he's got a cap in his head. You mean a tiara? A, in his head. a go, go tiara is being a murder princess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's okay, except they all get capped, so it really kind of, like, devalues the, the idea of a princess. Like, the, ta- the title means nothing if everyone gets to be one. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's special. <laughs> Just like uh, 3rd century Roman Empire, when everyone became citizens. Sorry, carry on. Was that, was that, a, was that a year with a nine in it? Because otherwise I'm not sure. Yeah, seriously. I think there were six nines in it. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, but there, I, knew, I knew you'd get it eventually. Um, no, there, there was a lot of good stuff, though. There was a lot of a lot of good stuff going on in the first one. And um, my good thing was I liked the actual tripods, like the, the oh, yeah. creepy alien over... I don't know if there's aliens in them yet. Like, we haven't learned that yet. I assume it comes out later in the story. Or if they're just... These are the beings themselves. Like, they're, they're mechanical. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen a lot of British sci-fi TV from this era. Like, I've seen a couple of Doctor Who, courtesy of you guys. And I guess the beginning of Red Dwarf was about this time. But it, that's probably it. And these seemed like a cut above. Like, they looked like they actually put some money and thought into it. Mm-hmm. Like, the design of them was good. They integrated well into the scenery, and they even moved pretty believably. Like, Oh, yeah. It's the main thing the story's about, and they put a little effort into it, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I think both the episodes end with a tripod, like, turning around to face the camera. Like, it's going, hey. <laughs> yes, Are you filming this? Yes, the first episode ends with a tripod. Uh, coming up over the over the trees. Because hey, where are you going? No, I just thought he was going to say Dinsdale. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like two children running away. <laughs> oh, that was the best bit. In uh, was it the second episode? Yeah, we were running away. They distracted these futuristic robot or tripod things by making a noise. Then it slowly turned its head. <laughs> So I couldn't see the kids anymore, and they ran off. Don't they have radar or something? Look, these things conquered the Earth. They're clearly <laughs> smart enough to... Nope, guess not. <laughs> yes, with their tall ships and their hooks. Well, you reach down, you grab a teenager, and then you, you shove a tiara in their head. <laughs> no, no. The Earth, I guess. I, I, I get it. They're bas- they've basically overrun the world by fishing humans. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh, just... this one's too small. Put a ca- put a tag on him and throw him back. 
It's just like those arcade things with the claw that you use to get a teddy bear. Is that why they have to stand in a pond as well? Yep. To do it. Yeah, what was that about? Well, yeah, it's, it's too hard to catch them otherwise. you got to at least... Uh... <laughs> that because they're assholes and they want to step on frogs. <laughs> and, and you've got to get them to walk, to walk out onto the pier as well. Well, right, of course. I think I, it's in the second episode, we talk about the, the time being wasted and all that. I think the part that bugged me even more than the walking, like they clearly went on location and wanted to show that off. That's usually when that happens. It's like, look, we paid to bring a crew out here to the, I don't know, the hills of wherever, and we want to show it off. I get mm-hmm. that, but it's boring, but I understand why they want to do it. But there's there's long sequences of uh, Ozymandias, which I guess is his name, um, <laughs> explaining how things work to these kids that we, the audience already know, like we don't need a five minute scene on how a map works. We get it. You can, you can say the kid doesn't understand and then cut away. We don't have to hear the whole lesson. Yeah. Unless this is one of those things where it had to be a British children's show that was also educational. There was a lot of that going around. I think, I'm just saying, I think especially when the lesson they were trying just helps serve to confuse things with regards to Uh the map. And now the map's ready for use. What? Yes, you can use the map to use the compass. It needs to be powered up. Yeah, and you have to put the north part of the compass on the part that says north. Is that a thing? Activating map. <laughs> map. Activating. Finally, the future. <laughs> yes, yeah, so and that was another thing I thought. If he's doing this with lots of children to get them to send them to their deaths, I mean, send them to the White Mountain. <laughs> well, How many... said a percentage of you will make it. Yes, no, he said two, one in two out of 50. Yeah. And I was like, what? So yeah. two to four percent then? Yeah. And, uh-huh. and I like how he said that as a comforting thing. And then I was yeah. waiting for the follow up and it just stopped and it was silence oh. for like five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> oh, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> That's his comforting speech. You're going to die. <laughs> it's not, it's but, not great, Ozzy. It's not a great no, pep talk. But if he says one in two out of 50, there's going to be at least 50 people that have done it so far. How many yeah. bloody maps, and more specifically, how many drawings of Captain Curtis have they done? Do they have, <laughs> do they have a sweatshop where people are just drawing drawings of Captain Curtis? Well, it seems like the tripods took away all the the, uh, the technology, so they don't have printers or any, anything anymore. So, yeah, someone's drawing them, presumably. No, I've, they've only got the one, but it's written out back. If captured, please return to the <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just pop it in a mailbox and it ends up See, it would be so much easier to just hang them around the village with little tags in the bottom that said, would you like to meet Captain Curtis? Take one of these numbers. <laughs> Every time they said Captain Curtis, I thought of Cowboy Curtis from Pee Wee's uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yep, which is a very different character. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I could do my good thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's do you? that. Uh, I like Will's repeating of uh, he, look, Ozymandias, although it's not his name. Gave a speech about how you know man made this thing was. I think it was a watch or a uh, binocular to the mm-hmm. as if there was only one binocular to Will, um, and then he was talking about man made it was. I like Will's repeating of the man made speech to his friend, right down to the same inflections that the old vagrant told him. It was then that I could almost believe he was really into the whole thing. But when I refused to call him Ozymandias, as he just quoted Shelley, and suddenly that's his name? If that were the case, my name would be Gus Gorman. (laughs) There's our obligatory Superman 3 reference. (laughs) It was subtle this time. 
<laughs> no, we're, we're all very proud of you. <laughs> no, I the 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 kid playing the lead was actually pretty good. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked to see what else he'd been in, and the answer is nothing. <laughs> yes, I think just I think he works at a supermarket now or something. Oh, that's too bad. No, he seemed pretty good. He, um, uh, he he looked a bit to me like uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, I can see that. But um, no, I liked him, and I actually liked the guy who played Ozymandias a pretty good deal. Although, as, as you point out, Gav, that's that's a ridiculous thing to call him. <laughs> He said a quote. He he but, said his name was Ozymandias. It's right there. <laughs> yeah, okay, and if you walk out and say, "Call me Ishmael," that doesn't. Ah, never mind. That guy. I, that guy said he was Ozymandias, king of kings. Okay. There's a guy called Ishmael at my work. Is that what happened to him? Yes. Okay. When when uh when you're making plans with him after work, do you say, "Call me Ishmael"? <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh at that. <laughs> I just think I wondered does anyone do it, and does anyone or would even people think to do it? Yeah, I also who who's meant to call him? Oz- like he lives in the woods. Mm-hmm. Like would the squirrels call him that? I mean, maybe he imagines they do. Doctor Who <laughs> casting agents. <laughs> All right, uh, Ozymandias, take one. <laughs> that wasn't very good. Uh, to the woods with you. Is that where they cast them all out? Just get wandering through the forests of England. All these, uh, yeah. Everyone who's Doctor ever Who? tried to be Doctor Who and couldn't be, they have to wander the woods of England forever. Oh, so the Eighth Doctor is out there? Sorry, Gaff. Yeah, <laughs> that was too easy. I didn't mean that. Uh, but yes, it is. Gaff feeds him. My my thing was the bloody waitress in the tavern. She just sit. <laughs> Decides to sit down beside them, have a conversation, and feel feel Will's hair. Sorry, do I have to have a conversation with everyone when I go outside? Oh, so she just decides to feel his hair? What? She's like, just don't talk to me for ten minutes. Yeah. No, I hate that. And do you guys get that in in England as well? The uh, the wait staff that sit down next to you and pretend to be your friend, or is that's that just an upsetting. American? Thing? That's just an American thing. No. Oh, oh my no. god, that is one of the I, horrors I would, we. I heard. would never go out to eat ever again. Yeah, seriously, uh, that, it doesn't oh. happen a lot, but there are. Pl- I'm sure you've seen it too, Matt. Right? Like, oh uh, yeah, it's the worst. Like, it's one thing to be friendly, I, of course. But don't sit down and like address, like use my like we we're conversing like we're friends like uh-huh. no. I assume you do a hard job. I respect you. I will tip you well, but yep. we're, we're not friends. I will tip you well, but the more you sit here, the tip is going down. Yep. <laughs> I just I want to be clear. It's not a like uh, oh don't talk to me. You're the help. No, it's I'm here to eat a meal. Leave me alone. Yeah. No, it's just that yeah. I don't want random people talking to me. I don't care who you are. Yeah. I I no, specific- I specifically came to this restaurant to quietly read a book and eat this food. Like, right. No, I talked to enough people. She very deliberately flirts with him, and he's 16 years old, and that's a little weird. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, oh, you're, you're a nice strapping young lad. Like, ah, stop it. Maybe she was part of the plan to have the goons capture them. Maybe. I don't know. Go I, over I there don't... and flirt with that boy until we're ready to keep them from eating their pies. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. If, if I'm 16 and a hot waitress comes over and starts flirting with me, whatever destiny-changing adventure I have is out the window. <laughs> nope. I'm going to marry want... that girl now. You want to come to the White Mountains? <laughs> yeah. 
Is there a little thing that's happening again? <laughs> uh, you go ahead to the White Mountains. I can't stand up right now. <laughs> and the other guy's like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I know why you wanted to come with me. <laughs> yep, it's Salmon Frodo all over again. Uh-huh. Uh, reference not found. <laughs> I know who they are, but I don't know the stories well enough to get them. So the rest of the series is also just walking around in the woods and occasional uh, bed jumping. Have you guys seen the, the rest of it? Nope. Go. Uh, yes. Don't ask me what happened. <laughs> Theoretically. Reference not found. I obviously, like, this This aired in the late 80s. I don't expect mm. you to remember every line or anything but you don't remember like broad strokes like like main points of the story like not a thing the tripods nothing all i remember were the tripods i don't know they go to the white mountains they're at the white mountains what is this is it an interrogation leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) if there was a second series presumably they don't completely beat the bad guys so i'm just trying to guess i don't know i think this council before it's finished so yeah well, it's based on a series of books, so there's probably quite a lot of material to cover. Yeah. Well, I think based on the episode titles, they go to the Gold City more than several times. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, there's a trip to the Gold City, the return to the Gold City. Oh, look, we're back at the Gold City. <laughs> what a nice Gold City this is. Yeah. Again, with the Gold even, City. They don't even call it a Gold City in England? That's that's really off-brand. <laughs> I was going to say, is it B Gold City, C Gold City? <laughs> well, I'm I'm guessing this must be in France now because that's where they're going. I like so, how they talk about France like it's the mystical kingdom far away. So, <laughs> so do they have a color system for their villages? Have they got a blue city? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like people they speak a different language there. They what? <laughs> oh, I guess they've never heard of that. I yeah. Well, Brexit I, Brexit I, hit I, England very hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's in the order. Not the tripod. The showed up and said, "Wow, these people will be very easy to conquer now." <laughs> oh, politics. <laughs> we joke so we don't cry. <laughs> we, we, we cry a little bit. Yeah, can't help it. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, what else? Indeed. There's a line where he said, uh, "We don't complain," or something like that. And I wrote a note that said, seriously, this is supposed to be England? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like uh, Will, who likes to seem to suddenly run for no reason. Yes, when he was everywhere. watching the guy who yeah. was dropping. Yeah, yeah it, it runs into a guy that's scouring the countryside looking for boys, and it doesn't run at that point. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good time for my quote, and I think Matt, yours is related too, right? I believe it is, yes. Yeah, so let's just play our quotes. Uh, this is from the first one and then the second one. This is him talking about the boys he likes to find. That's my passport to vagrancy. Unlimited travel. Searching for boys like you. <laughs> and then Matt's is... Uh, Mine might be even worse. for boys. Yeah. <laughs> I've been telling them strong boys come in handy on our old boat. <laughs> everyone, everyone in this dystopia just nonstop mm. looking for boys. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have to find more boys. He's it, playing that new Pokeboys boys go. Gotta collect them all. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be funny if we found out that they were the substitute for coal. 
<laughs> More boys for the fire. <laughs> uh, a lot of it felt to me, like, especially when they get to the seaside village or whatever, it felt like a video game. Like, there was one guy sort of lurking very conspicuously in the foreground that was clearly, like, you're supposed to talk to that guy. Yep. Why don't you go talk? And then they just walked right by him. It's like, like no, guys, you have to talk to everybody. Yeah. They're, like, looking at the food, like, with a sense of wonder and... Ah. <laughs> Well, wow. that, that running and hiding from the tripod was uh, very video game like. You're just uh, hiding yeah. in a bush shelter until the tripod turns away and you're run. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's like the, uh, <laughs> uh, what do you call them? Scarecrow uh, level of Batman Arkham. Oh, yeah. He's shining his spotlights on us. <laughs> well, I, I remember the, the environment changing in that. That's all I remember, like the weird... Uh, shifting nightmare thing but i don't remember much else well, there's a lot of like time. giant scarecrow trying to see you and you hiding behind boxes <laughs> <laughs> well if there's one thing i know about batman <laughs> he's got a boot truck he likes to mix up and another another truck he likes to hide behind <laughs> <laughs> crouching behind a box that's that's quintessential batman right yep there. uh anything else um Oh, my good thing. Um, I really like oh, the sorry. opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that music is awesome. It's great music. It's that weird design, like the, I guess it's supposed to be the cap. Yeah. Well, does mm. it describe it? Like, I don't know. It's I like it, so. big 80s, like sort of neon letters that say the tripods and then some like weird gold stuff flies by. It looked, as I recall, it looked very sort of like very early days of computer generated stuff. Yep, which is I I am always uh I am always there for. Uh, see, that made me think of Tron, which made me think I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, but everything makes you not want to watch Tron. That's true. But then I saw a TR, like, oh no, did someone trick me into watching Tron? <laughs> Damn it, Bob! <laughs> I told you. Uh, this is his most insidious plot yet. <laughs> The cap looks a bit like a comb on certain occasions, which for the poor bald guy who's being yeah. who's, uh, stuck on his head isn't a great look. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, no, they I... carve like a maze into your head or something? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they and then other times it's just sticking a gold thing on your head. I don't uh -huh. know. It's very inconsistent. I think they blew their budget on the actual tripods because that, that wasn't mm. great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The tripods, like I said, I thought looked very good, but the the cap, like for being such a big plot point, they could have maybe spent a little more money on. We should have just given them all yeah. actual caps. I, I reckon that <laughs> cap or tiara is a map of the gold city as well. You reckon it is? Yeah, it is. I reckon it is. Well, if you reckon it is, it must. Be. I, I that's a pretty good guess. I don't know. Like these kinds of stories, usually you can kind of figure out where they're going. That's a, that's a pretty solid guess. I just like saying reckon. <laughs> Um, what was the, yes, the, the guy who came, who was capped and then was brought down again, and he was trying to look cool afterwards. And he says, no, you can't look cool after you've been like off a hook. It just is not going to work. Yeah, sorry, man. Like they dangled you all the way down. You look like a chump. <laughs> you look like a chump like who got dangled. Like Judas of Borg, just like uh, leaning against a wall. Hey, guys. <laughs> Oh, this thing. I'm a <laughs> <laughs> How do you do, fellow youngsters? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? My name's Ozymandias. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Irish Gav, what do you got for an alternate title? 
My alternate title is Copper's Delight. Very it's pretty good. good. Yeah. Uh, English guy, what do you got? Was that Will? You just get on with it. <laughs> that's a pun on his name. Very. Nice. I didn't. Ah. I didn't get that in writing, but the way you said it, I, I totally. That's awesome. Uh, Matt, what do you got? Will and Henry failed to eat a pie. <laughs> and I went with "Don't cap me, bro." I, well, nothing like that to timely, timely references. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that's all for this time. Um, yeah. Definitely a better experience than the Star Wars Hollywood spe- uh, holiday special or uh, uh, hilarious House of Frightenstein or anything or... Matt picked. Sliders. <laughs> it's better than Voyagers, I would say. It's better than one thing I picked too. It's better than Voyager. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, except for Enterprise, most things are better than Voyager. Uh-huh. Sorry, except for that show we will not mention again. Oh, uh, you uh, ruined it already. We will never speak it. We will never speak of it again. Just, yep. We'll start putting a red alert noise over it. You mean read alert? Yes. Ugh. God, that show was garbage. All right. Well, speaking of shows that aren't garbage, next week we start Discovery. Uh-huh. So first episode of Discovery, looking forward to that. Uh, we will be recording that first episode live in Seattle, June 30th at the Pocket Theater. Uh, go to thepocket.org uh, if, if you're going. Um, tickets are free, but, you know, click that you're going just so we get a head count. We mm-hmm. would really appreciate that. Um, we are shifting our focus a little so that we will be doing one episode per show instead of two. Um, and what that means is uh, that opened it up for a few more guests, which means uh, for the first time, English Gav will be joining us. <laughs> Oh, Yay. wonderful to do an episode of Star Trek. So, yes, you're appearing uh, before I am. Ooh. Exciting. Wow. Uh, so this means you will have to both watch and remember the show. <laughs> There's a lot to ask. Two things. I know you can do it. Two yeah. things. All right, we believe I, in I have you. faith in you. I know you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we had talked about doing that some time ago, and, and it just, like, it, for, through no fault of anyone's, we just uh, completely lost track. And he's like, hey, wasn't I supposed to be on your show? Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah here you go so look forward to that um and yeah very excited to uh to, yeah. to push on to something new so uh look forward to that next week mm-hmm. and uh see you folks the post-atomic horror podcast is a co-production of ron algar watt and matt robotham copyright 2018 please don't sue us we're we're, we're still just doing this